As parents, we are blessed with the gift of raising our children and helping to shape their futures. It's a challenge that can be both difficult and incredibly rewarding. We want to be the best parents and grandparents we can be. The Bible is the best resource for every aspect of living, and it excels in parenting. God's Word guides us in the goal of raising amazing kids. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. And all of you on all of our campuses, I'm so grateful that you are in person today. Thank you for coming out. And all of you who are online, I'm so glad, so thankful that you are with us. Today, we are finishing out our series on, on the parenting series with parental guidance. And here's the question I want to ask you. Why is it, how is it that some children who have great parents, parents who, who poured into their lives, parents who were so intentional in the way they raised them to know and love God, and these kids have come to know Jesus and, and been baptized and all of that. How is it that some children choose to go a different direction, choose to walk away from God and the life that their parents taught them? How is it that that happens? Well, I certainly can't answer for everybody, but I, I do know two things are present. One is that there is influence that comes into their life that is beyond you that they listen to instead. One of those is, is friends. I'm continually shocked at how powerful the influence of friends are in the lives of kids. Many of these friends they won't ever see again in two or three years. Never will see them again, but they have such a profound impact in the heart of, of, uh, uh, of your children. I think part of that is such a deep need that's within all of us to be accepted, to have other people that, that believe in us, that accept us, that, that we're not alone. And I think that's part of what's going on. But also an influence maybe of some schools, of some professors who desire to turn kids from their faith because they certainly exist and they are somehow have the influence and the acceptance. There is another thing that happens, I believe. I have talked to so many people that are adults that have turned away from their faith and that they've given me the opportunity to talk with them and to, and to ask questions and, and dig a little deeper. And what has happened in those conversations, some of them are online conversations, what has happened in the conversations is that almost everybody uh, turns philosophical at the beginning of the conversation. Well, I'm not sure about God or I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure about the Christian faith and they become very philosophical. I've noticed this as a consistent pattern. But the deeper you go into their lives, what actually is below the surface is usually, not always, but usually one of two things. What is actually below the surface, first of all, is morals. And what happens in the life of many of these individuals is they, they say, 
I don't like God telling me how to live my life. I, I want to go a different way. God wants me to go one way. My hormones want me to go another way. And I choose to go the wrong way. And oftentimes, in fact, I would say most of the times, it's actually moral life that actually is the, the, the power that pushes them in that direction. But another is pain. When a child experiences a deep wound in pain, that sometimes that pain, because they don't have any answer, why did God let this happen, pushes them away from God. Next Sunday, I began a new series on where is God in my pain. And this is an important series. And I, I hope that you'll invite people to come who desperately need to know, understand where is God in my pain. So no matter what the issue is that has turned uh, that child, that adult child away from God, what do you do with that? What, what should you do with a wayward adult child? What should you do? I'm not going to give you an answer that is uh, one size fits all, and you're going to have to work through whether this actually is the answer for you. So I'm not pretending to be a know-it-all. You, you've got to, as a parent, work through this. But the story that feeds me about this issue is found in Luke chapter 15, and it's the story of a man who was a farmer slash rancher and a wealthy man apparently, and he has two adult sons. The older son is walking with God, is walking with his father, he is doing what is right, he is working hard. But the younger son becomes restless, and, and he begins to decide, I, I, don't, I don't like what my, where my father is leading me. I don't like this environment. I, I'm turning away from God. I'm turning away from my parents. I want to go my own way. So this younger son comes to his father, and he says to his father, I, I know I'm going to get an inheritance, and I want my inheritance now. Now, here's the truth. Not everybody gets an inheritance, so don't get big-eyed about this. this. This is the story Jesus is talking. And he says, in this case, there was going to be a big inheritance for, for this younger son and older son. And the younger son says to his father, I want my inheritance now. Now, here's the truth. An inheritance comes at the death of your parents. And then the inheritance comes. That's how it usually happens. And it's as though this young son is saying to his dad, I know you're not dead yet, but the truth is you're not dying quickly enough. So let's pretend you're already dead and give me the money I'm going to get. That's in essence what he is telling his father. Can you imagine his father? Can you imagine how hurt his mother and father are? But his father, I know, was trying to talk to him and help him to grab hold of a different way. But obviously nothing worked. And so this father came to a decision. I'm going to do this. It's the wrong way. You're going the wrong direction. But you are an adult son. I am going to give you this money. And so in Jesus' parable, that, uh, that father gives to that son that inheritance. 
And the son grabs hold of it and he's gone, man. He's got the wind at his back. He thinks it is the greatest thing that has ever happened. I'm now releasing the shackles of my family's, my parents' morality and everything else. I'm going to go live the way I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to spend money the way I want to spend it. And all of his friends were telling him, wow, you are so cool. You are going the right direction. We affirm you. You keep going. Yay, you. And then, that adult son comes to the end of that direction. It always happens. It always happens. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Do you see that word always? Do you know what it means? It means always. You will always Every time, all of us, we will always reap what we sow. You realize this, the, the, the new generation that is coming up are just like the other generations. The new generations coming up look at their parents and, and think to themselves, You're, you are dumb. You do not understand real life. The world has changed. You haven't kept up. I am so sophisticated now. I actually know all of the great sophistications of this era. You don't. You are so backward. You, and they're being told this. You are so backward. I got to get away from you. I got to get where the real living is. Now, here's the truth. Your parents did the same thing with their parents. And their parents did the same thing with their parents. And it is every generation. And then what happens with every generation is somewhere around the, the latter 20s or the 30s or the 40s and real life comes crashing in. And you realize, actually, my parents were pretty smart. Actually, my parents actually did understand life better than I gave them credit for. And all my sophistication and the new direction that's going on, actually there is an end and it isn't good. So the young man spent all of his money. And now he's broke and there's a recession that comes in and the, an economic downturn and there's no jobs and what do I do? And he finally finds a job on a farm, just like his father's farm, on a farm, slopping pigs. You know what it means to slop pigs? It means to feed pigs the worst stuff that you can imagine. And he is feeding these pigs all the leftover junk. And then he is so poor and he has no money getting paid so little, he starts eating the slop. It started looking better and better to him, and he decided, I'll, I'll, I'll eat the same stuff because i got to live. And I know that kids think, that's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to go that low. But the truth is, the reason that so much good has happened to you is because of your parents and the safety net they, net they built for you. And when that net is gone, and you're fending for yourself... It's not as easy as you would imagine. And finally, this proud, arrogant young guy had had enough. He became broken. His pride was broken. He was so at the end of it all. And he decided, as he was slopping the pigs, you know what? The farmhands on my dad's farm, they get paid more than I get paid, and they eat better than I eat.
I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to my father. Now here's what I'm going to say to him. And he rehearses the speech many times. I have sinned against God and against you. And I'm not... I don't have a right to be called your son. I, I, I don't, I'm not asking to be your son now. I'm asking, would you hire me like your other, your other ranch hands? Would you hire me and I'll work for you the rest of my life? You don't ever have to call me your son again. I just want to eat. I just want to feel like I felt when I was growing up. And he finally gets enough courage. And he heads back home. Now the problem was there were not any cell phone towers near his father's house. He could not call his dad. And he didn't have enough money to buy gasoline. So he had to walk. Uber wasn't invented for a few years. So he walked. And he walked all the way home. And as he was getting closer and closer to his house, he got a lump in his throat. He recognized all of that area. And he knew he was getting closer and closer to his family. Meanwhile, his father, every day after he would do his chores and his work, he would sit on the front porch and he would look down that road and he would imagine seeing his son, his youngest son, coming back home. He would imagine it and what it would feel like and he would hope for it and he'd look down that road. And then on one day, as he was rocking on the front porch, he'd look down the road and there is somebody that is headed his direction. And as he looked at that person walk, he recognized the gait of, of his younger son. He, he thought, surely that can't be true. But the longer he looked, that guy coming down the road looked, looked very much like his younger son, about the same size. And suddenly it dawned on him, that is my boy. And he throws down everything that he has and he runs as fast as he can. He's an old man, he can't run fast, but he runs as fast as he can. And when the boy sees his father running toward him, that young guy realizes it's his dad and he starts running to his dad and he grabs hold of his dad and his dad grabs hold of him and they hug each other. And his father kisses him and he... And both of them cry. And his son could hardly believe, I'm back in the arms of my dad. And then he begins the speech that he had been practicing all along. I, dad, I, I want to tell you that I, I have wronged God and I have sinned against you. And I did wrong. I should have never done what I did. And you warned me and you were right and I was wrong. And, and I'm coming back. And I'm not coming back to, your son, to be your son. I'm coming back because I, I want to eat again. And because I want to be in an environment again that is so wholesome and I, I'll be your ranch hand. I'll just work for you. Would you let me? Please let me come home. But before he can finish that speech, his father stops and says to him, I'm so glad to have you back. My son who was dead is alive again. My son who was lost is found again. Now I know the parable's purpose. Jesus told the parable because that man, that father represents God and you and I, all of us, represent the lost son. But for a moment, I want you to imagine the principles of the story 
in a different environment. I want you to imagine that you as a parent, the Father represents you as a parent. And the lost son is your adult child or grandchild that has walked away from God. I'm asking you to imagine that idea. So what is the story teaching us? There is a point in which you must let your child go his or her own way. When they're born, you take care of everything. I mean literally everything. And you love them and you, you care for them and you protect them and you're doing your best to help them grow up and mature and go the right direction. And all of that you give it all yourself to them. So what happens when that child now becomes old enough and you can't control him or her anymore and they go the wrong way? What do you do? I want to recommend three principles that I see in this story that the father did. First, you have to let him or her go. Notice that when the son left, his father didn't chase him. His father did not chase after the boy. I'm sure he, he tried to explain, you're going the wrong direction. You, it's not going to turn out well. Please don't do this. And tried every argument, every, uh, every logic to keep that child going the right way, but nothing worked. And a moment came in time in which he knew he had to let his child it's one of the great challenges of parenting. How long do you let the rope be? How quickly do you let it go? It's just the great challenge of parenting to do the right thing as your child gets older. It is a challenge. I believe that some parents let their children go too quickly. And I believe that some parents let their children go too late. We all have our opinions, and that's my opinion. So when those moments came for Kathy and I with our two sons, we actually sort of came up with a formula. As long as you eat our food, and you sleep in our house, and we're paying the bills, you'll do what we say on the basis of the amount of rope we've given. So when my two sons went to college, I said to both of them, I'll be calling every so often, and I have a list of questions. Let me tell you what the questions will be. They're all moral questions. There are there is study questions too, but I'll be calling you every so often, and I'm asking you to tell me the truth. And I would call, and I would ask the questions. Well, your sons are going to lie to you if they're doing, going wrong, and I know, I'm not dumb, but I'm still going to ask the questions. I'm going to still hold them accountable. And actually, my sons told me a few times things that they had done that, that weren't the best. And we talked about it, and that was the whole purpose. I can't control 
But we talked about it. Why? And that sort of thing. And then a, a day came. I didn't feel like I needed to do that now. I did say to both of my sons, uh, really study well. Really work hard because when you graduate from college, you're going to get a, have to have a job because you're moving out of my house when you graduate. We're going to celebrate you moving out as we celebrate you graduating from college. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But actually, they did work hard. They did both get great jobs, and they did move out. And, you know, I have grace too. But I wanted them to feel very motivated to go on their own now. And I thought they were ready. And it turned out that's exactly what happened. If your child has walked away from God and has reached an age in which he is old enough and old enough to live on his own, you have to let him go. Or her. Go. Here's what I notice in the story. Once the boy left the house, the income from the father stopped. Now there's extenuating circumstances, and I know that, and you, you're a great parent, you get that figured out too, a grandparent. There's sometimes health issues and that sort of thing, but generally speaking, you move out, you take care of yourself. Second of all, because this is part of responsibility, second of all, you let your child make his or her own mistakes. This is what the father did. They th he threw away his father's value system. He rejected God. He, there's consequences coming. So here is the point that happened in the story. Some things are only learned through pain. You do your best, you, you explain, and they hear you, but there are going to be things they have to only learn through pain. The father in the story let his son learn through pain. Third of all, you let your child reap the consequences. The story says, that after he had spent all, he began to be in need. His father did not come to the rescue. When a child walks away, how do the parents feel? I'll tell you. Parents will always feel a deep sense of hurt and wound. I don't think kids truly understand how deeply their parents love them beyond life itself. And maybe a child can't really grab hold of it until they become a parent. But the moment their child comes into the world, they now know something amazing has happened inside of them. But there is a love they have never knew, a level of love they never knew existed until they become a parent. Parents hurt like you can't imagine. And embarrassed. Embarrassed about the choices of their child. And they blame themselves. 
Parents blame themselves so often. Well, if I would have done something different, if I could have said something differently, if I would have had different timing somehow, some way. And so I want to say to every parent that is listening to me, all parents make mistakes as parents. But we are not the only influence in our child's life. Our adult kids make choices. And they're responsible for their adult choices. You can't control all the input that happens in their life. You can't control the input of their friends. You can't control the input they get from internet and from other areas and other inputs that happen in their life. You can't control those. So here's what I'm asking every adult right now. If you choose tomorrow to do something desperately, you choose to rob a bank tomorrow. I think tomorrow I'm going to rob a bank. Is that your parents' fault? Or is that your fault? You know the answer. It's yours. And I know, I understand the whole psychology stuff that you got to sometimes go back in your life. You got to see things that didn't, weren't right and th all that. And I know that. I know that. But as an adult, that just helps you better understand why you make the wrong choices you make or the, how you feel. But you're responsible for your decisions. And in the same way, your adult children are responsible for their decisions. Parental responsibility ends where parents' control ends. And it's tough love. You, you, you want to do the best you can as a parent, but at, there's a point in time in which it is now your child. You still love them. You love them beyond measure. But there is a day you have to let them go. There is a day you have to let them make their own mistakes. There is a day that you have to let your child reap the consequences and you don't rescue them. That's the story that we call the story of the lost son. Did the father welcome him back? Of course he did. But the conditions in which he did is that this child repented. The child repented and came back. So, what do you do then? You let this happen. What do you do as a parent? You ask God to do what you cannot do in the heart of your child. You can't change what's happening. You, you still want to. You still want to speak into it. But there's a point in time in which you're preaching. They turn you off. They don't even want to be around you anymore. Because actually what has to happen must be internal in their life. You cannot control externally anymore. It has to be an internal thing that happens to them. Because if it's not internal, they'll just drift back. 
So what you must do is go to God and ask God to do in the heart of your child what you cannot do, but what He can do. And you are, in essence, sicking the Holy Spirit upon your adult child. So what do you do? First, you pray for your kids. You already are, and you keep going. There are times in which you get on your knees at whatever time in the day God lays on your heart. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32 is a comment that Jesus makes to Simon Peter. And he says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked you, asked to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He is saying, Jesus is saying to Simon, I have to let you go through this. And I already know the outcome. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to destroy you. And I can tell you, Satan wants to destroy your children. And in this culture right now, in this generation right now, I can't even fathom what it's going to look like in 30 years. I can't even fathom. To the destruction of the Western civilization is sort of in my imagination. and the, Even the destruction, I'm not saying the, our country won't exist anymore, but the destruction of what this country was built to be. I am imagining where we're headed because of this culture. This generation seems to be, and the leaders in this generation, bound to determine to take God out of everything and destroy everything we've known. Satan wants to destroy your child and only God is going to rescue your kid. Only God will be able to do it. So I'm saying you got to pray, pray, pray for your children. And here is the second thing. Pray big prayers for your kids, not little prayers. And what do I mean by that? Don't just pray, oh God, help my child come back to you. Oh God, help my child understand what they need to do. I'm not saying just that. I'm, a, I'm saying to pray big prayers for your kids and your grandkids. Oh God, make my child a spiritual giant. Not just bring him or her back. I'm asking God, you'd set their heart on fire and use them to make an, an amazing difference in their family and in their culture and in their surroundings. Make them a spiritual giant. Pray big prayers for your kids. That God would use them in a great way. Second of all, commit your children to God. Commit your children to God. That you, you hand them to God. You give your child to God. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 6, because the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes everyone who accepts Him as a son or a daughter. What is that, that phrase, that verse saying? He is telling us, if you know God as your Savior, you've given your heart to Christ uh, to be your Savior, you are a child of God, you are a son or daughter of God, and God will discipline His children. Just like parents discipline their kids as they're growing up because that demonstrates love in the same way God disciplines adult children. He disciplines these children. 
and strives to bring them back. And it is almost saying, God, I'm encouraging you. I couldn't get it done. They walked away from me. But, oh God, I pray that you would discipline my child. Whatever that means. And I will cheer you on. I'm handing my child to you. There's a third thing, then wait patiently. I don't like the word wait, and I don't like the word patient. But wait patiently because it's all you can do. And the Bible says in Psalm 27, 14, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7 and 8, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Refer now look at this, this verse, this part of the verse. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath and do not fret because it will only lead to evil. Take very seriously this verse. If I am angry at my adult children, if I have wrath toward my adult children, if, if I am worried sick about them, I'll give ground to Satan in my life and I'll end up messing everything up. So God, I'm handing my kids to you. I'm praying that whatever it means, whatever it takes, that the Holy Spirit will work in their heart and whatever it takes, that they'll come back to you. And God, I'm going to trust you instead of me to make this happen. What I'm saying to you is don't destroy your relationship with your child by trying to be the Holy Spirit. Your adult child. And when your, your adult child returns, man. so he got up, went back to his father, Luke 15, 20. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. So what's happening? First of all, love that child with compassion. That adult child that's coming back, I love him or her with compassion. You're already loving your child that's away with compassion, but especially when they come back. And what I mean by this, don't go and tell them, well, you realize what you put me through? You realize all the bad stuff you did? You should, it wouldn't even have happened if you would have listened to me. See, all that lecturing isn't going to do any good. But have compassion when they come back. Accept her and him unconditionally. When the child comes back, the father doesn't say, well, go get a bath first. You stink like pigs. He doesn't say that. Then we'll talk about it. That's not what he says. So how can I accept unconditionally without lowering my standards? There is a difference between acceptance and approval. You can accept someone without approving of their lifestyle. Never approve of sinful lifestyle. But you notice that's where all the push is now. You don't love me unless you approve. That's manipulation. And that's a, that is a total lie. That's pure manipulation. I will not be manipulated. I do not approve of a sinful lifestyle, and I'm never going to approve of it, and it is right, but I love you. I love you unconditionally. I'm never going to stop loving you. I love you. 
to accept your child is not the same as approving of the lifestyle. No matter what the culture tries to do. All the culture is trying to do is manipulate the previous generations. That's all they're trying to do. Third, forgive them completely. He's come and repented before God and he's repented to you. Forgive them completely. Not, look what you've done to us. You've got to let that go. Forgive them completely. I'm not trying to act like I'm the solu solution to all problems. I'm not trying to do that. But I believe that's the application of the principles of the story of the lost son. I know that there are people listening right now to me online or in person. And you're, you're thinking to yourself... I don't care what you say. I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. And my parents are just going to have to accept it. And it doesn't. it's my life. It's not theirs. I want you to imagine you are in a boat. And you are out in the ocean. And you can't see the shore. And you take out a drill. Uh, powered by a battery. And you take the drill out. And you start drilling a hole under your seat in the boat and everybody says to you you got to stop that no 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 don't do that and you say to them this is my seat this is my drill that will be my hole and i don't care what you think well the problem is is that when the water comes up it doesn't just affect you the whole boat sinks and my point is you're part of a family. It's not just you. You affect your whole family. You don't live on an island. You have a family that loves you and cares for you. And the decisions you make affects everybody around you. And I'm asking you to look at that. To open your heart to that. Because that is actually the real life. Open your heart. To the truth about you and your family. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and oh God, I pray for, for adult children of their parents. They're adults. They, they, they make their own decisions, make their own choices, but it doesn't just affect them. It affects everybody around them. And I ask, Father, that today there would be the movement of your Holy Spirit in the hearts of, of adult children who've walked away from you. And maybe, Father, you brought them somehow, some way to this service. And I ask, Father, you would open hearts and your Holy Spirit would move in their heart and that you would bring them back to you. And in so doing, bring them back to their parents. And I pray, Father, that today there would be many that would give their heart to Christ, that would recommit their heart to Christ, that there would be a newness in their heart for you. I ask, Father, would you bring them home? Would you bring them home to you? And would you bring them home to their family?
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.